Hello, Di. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great, great. I want to thank you so much for coming to spend some time with us and, and helping parents. This is a topic that so many folks are going to be interested in. Um, Di Thompson is a specialist with children with ADHD and helping the children as well as the parents navigate that world. Um, so could you tell us uh, a little bit about who you are and how you landed here? Sure. Um, who am I? I'm Di Thompson. <laughs> and I landed here. So I worked in the school systems for over 30 years. And I always worked in special services. And over those 30 years, special services really changed quite a bit. It used to be just physical manifestations, and then it became invisible with the mental health component and stuff. COVID hit and um, school districts really didn't need me because we couldn't go in. Mm -hmm. And it was encouraged to start my own practice. And as scary as that was, I did it. <laughs> and in that process, I was thinking, well, who do you want to work with? I mean, sky's the limit. You know, I'm fluent in ASL and I've worked social, uh, special services for many, many years. I also had my own organization working with human trafficking victims. Wow. So for 30 years, um, the Department of Health trained me two to three times a year on trauma. So I've had extensive trauma training through the Department of Health, working with you know the, the most vulnerable population. So I was thinking, you know, in all the years that I've worked in special services, the most under-addressed population is ADHD. There's like this misnomer of you put them on medication and they're fine and they're not. Yeah. And I decided I'm going to start focusing on ADHD. Well, ADHD and trauma, they go hand in hand. They really do. So that's where I landed on that. So I primarily work with uh, ADHD adults and children. It's not that I don't see other people. I do. It's primarily ADHD with adults and children. Fantastic. And it's wonderful to hear that you work with adults as well, because it's, it's not as though the struggles of someone who has ADHD disappear when they leave high school. So that's fantastic. What's the name of your company? Behavior Cusp LLC. We are in Puyallup, Washington. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say with adults, you know, women have just, women are, have just been starting to get diagnosed in the last two years. Wow. So a lot of women are 45 and older with the first time diagnosis. We just never looked at women and we're realizing the impact that hormones play on women. We're, we're realizing the different types of ADHD because there's different types and yeah. So they, you know, some people, adults have never, ever addressed it. So yeah, it's important. Yeah, and what what an amazing need that that you're filling with with this company. Thank you so much. You bet. So, what is the best advice, that, mo most concise thing, or the first thing that you would say to parents when they come to you and they have a child with ADHD and they are struggling? Usually, the first uh, approach that I have is explaining that it truly is a brain based difference in the sense that the brain is literally formed differently. So if you were to do an autopsy on one brain and then on an ADHD brain, it's very clear that there is a difference in the way the brain is developed. And I think that's really important, not only to understand how the brain works 
together because uh, the ADHD brain, the left and the right side, if you will, they actually, um, they cross. There's not a separation. So with ADHD, they think, feel, hear, and sense everything. There's no separation. It's just all in one. The other important part of that is they don't outgrow it. <laughs> it's not something that they're going to eventually outgrow. It's it it's it's the way that their brain is developed, and that's the reason why ADHD is a medical diagnosis. So um, that's usually the first thing I do. The most common thing that parents want to know is discipline. How do I discipline my kid? Right, and and a lot of parents use the same discipline that they use because that's what they know is what how they were disciplined. Yeah. So. But when it, when it comes to ADHD and the way that the world is interpreted, the way that they hear, see, feel, think, everything about the world, discipline is going to be completely different. Yeah. Can you can you dive into that just a little bit? In in what way do we as parents do we need to think about discipline differently? So with ADHD, punitive doesn't work. I mean, if you get really angry and yell and stuff, yeah, it's going to stop the behavior but it's going to come back <laughs> and it'll come back more crafty and it'll come back much bigger. So if uh, it's common for ADHD to steal, it's common for ADHD, particularly to steal food, sugar and carbs. They love that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, you know, punitive measures have to be spanking, yelling, whatever the case is, they'll stop, but they're not going to have a long lasting change in behavior. So when it comes to ADHD, it's really important that um, you approach it as a detective in the sense of curiosity. So the way you approach it, your tonage and everything else, be curious. So you, you can ask the how, who, what, and when, but don't ask the why. As soon as you ask the why, they're gonna be defensive because they're gonna feel interrogated. So just out of curiosity, what were you thinking when you you know, said those things, or what do you, what do you feel is going to be accomplished by that? Or, you know, different, but in a very curious manner, because when we do that, then their defenses go down and they interpret it as, wow, you want to understand me. So you want to connect. Yeah. And then, and then um, that's a perfect time to do the perspective taking. So when you did that, I call it the when then, um, in ABA, we know the first then, this is the when then. So when that happened, then the other person felt like, what do you think they felt like? How do you think that landed with them? What do you think was going on with them? Do you think that maybe they were having a bad morning? You know about their family, you know? So that perspective taking. With ADHD, if the parents are telling the child, don't do this and don't do that, the child thinks you don't like that. You have a problem with that. I don't, but you do. Right. So does that lead to the hiding a little bit? Like, yes. When you're not there. Yeah. Yeah. So I know when mom or dad's not there, I know when the teacher's not there, grandma and grandpa, whoever it is, don't do it. But when they're not around, then I'm going to do it because it's their problem, not mine. That's a really fascinating lens through which to, to uh, sort of interpret or understand what feels like um, opposition or non-compliance or feels really disrespectful sometimes, like, hey, I, I told you not to do that and you seem to understand me, why are you doing it just because I'm not around? I love what you said there about 
for someone who has ADHD, they are seeing that that judgment and that request as a, a, a desire for like mom. Mom said don't. Mom doesn't want this, but mom's not here, so it's okay. Right. Wow. Right. The perspective taking skills are really important because once they can see it, so ADHD, the core of ADHD is they never want to cause harm. They genuinely care. They're very giving, they're very generous, and they don't want to hurt anybody. Um, so it's having that perspective taking, if they're able to then see what it is that they've done and you know that they, they've caused harm, then it becomes their, you, you know, they don't want to do that anymore then you're going to see a long lasting change. Does that make sense? It does. Um, yeah. That's, that's really important. I think. To... So then I suggest, okay, so now we've got some perspective taking skills. Now we want to do the one then. Okay. So let's do a little bit of role play. And Great. you know, when I mentioned role play to parents, they're always like, oh, I don't want to do role play. I'm terrible at charades or whatever the case is. Right? <laughs> oh no, it's okay. It, it goes really fast and it's really simple. Okay. So here's what, let's do some role play. So when that happens, then you're going to do, but you don't answer it. It needs to be their answer. So let's, let's practice. You're okay. in the hallway and Billy comes by and he hits you in the shoulder with his shoulder and says, punk. So when that happens, because you know Billy, he's going to do it, then what are you going to do? And then let the child come up with different things. Yeah. Give feedback and just say, hmm, that sounds to me like maybe this might happen. What do you think? Yes. So it's about allowing them to make their own choices because the truth is, is they're kids. We're not in that world anymore. And we need to understand that they do things different than the way that we do things. So- yeah allow them to come up with the scenarios, but as the adult who's had the experiences in life, giving them the feedback of, well, well, do you think maybe that would cause this? Or do you think that maybe that would happen to get them to brainstorm? Because ADHD loves challenges. They love trying to figure things out. And so you happen into that as well. Time and time again, when I encourage parents to do this, they come back to me and they're like, oh my goodness, I know so much more about my kid now. They totally opened up yeah. and the relationship changes because they feel like you're not against them, but you're wanting to understand and connect with them. There's, there's, there's so much, there's so much here. Ty. This is like, this is so, so many things that I want to touch on and, and just sort of come back to. So can I, can I jump back to, for a second to the curiosity piece? which is something I talk with um, the families I work with about all the time. And one of the questions I get is, how do I really genuinely be curious? I'm, I'm actually really mad right now. I know what, I think I know what they were thinking. I think I know, you know, this, that, and the other. How do I actually get to a place of curiosity? And, and there was something you said about how it lands for the child. Um, and I, I think the authentic delivery of a curious question is, is really important. How do we do that? So uh, it, don't let me forget, because I will, um, but I want to address the completely unacceptable things. So we, yes, fair enough. That, yep. that's, that's a different type of discipline. How do we get genuinely curious, right? Because the kid's driving us crazy. I've told you this a hundred times. I know you're smart. I know that you know this, but you continue to do it. I'm not curious. I'm done. 
Right? Yeah. How do we get there? We've all been there, right? Like, it's just so <laughs> universal. I'm so done with you. Just do the thing. It's not that hard. So what I suggest is fake it. Mm. Fake just it till you make it. it. Yeah, fake it till you make it. Because um, if you can approach the child, first of all, approach the child sitting down. You want eye level. You don't want to be standing above or anything. If anything, get your body in a position to where you're relaxed. Um, have the kid doodle while you doodle or, you know, have a fidgeter, you know, whatever you guys are doing something because eye contact is really hard for ADHD. Don't expect anything. All you're expecting is just to have a conversation. If you're pretty wound up and you're just like, it's okay if you take a time out, that's perfectly fine. I, I, I really need to have a conversation with you, but right now I need, give me 10 minutes. I have a, I, I need a time out because I'm really upset. And that yeah. is perfectly okay for the kids to see that. Yep. Does that make sense? And then when you go in with the curiosity, even if you're faking it, just, you know, suck it up and, and just present as if, because what's going to happen is your kid is going to realize you want to understand. And once you start hearing what the child has to say, you're going to realize you were probably wrong and you're going to be able to get to know your kid and, and better understand your kid. But again, I want to go back to the very beginning where we need to understand the brain-based difference. And a, a big component of ADHD is impulsivity. We are driven, everything that's done with ADHD is driven out of emotions. And emotions with ADHD is so, the variability of it is it can be you know, by the second. You know, one minute I'm in a great mood, and the next minute I'm mad as spitfire, right? So everything's driven by emotions. So th those impulsivities, then are done through emotions because they got a raise or a rise in their emotions. So yeah. understanding that they're struggling with that too, and they get shame and embarrassment from their impulsivity, right? Rather than thinking that they're just being defiant, be curious as far as, so what was going on with you on that? And sometimes they can self-reflect and sometimes they can't, but if they cannot self-reflect doing this conversation causes self-reflection. Yeah, and it's then they stepping stones, right? Yeah. 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 So at the beginning, it might be a fake it because you're just tapped. Take some time for yourself first. That's really important, right? Because we don't want to make the situation worse. We definitely don't want to um, cause more damage. We want to come to more of a solution. So, yeah. And yeah. With, as, as parents, like it, it, we get mad and that's, that's real. So giving ourselves that and modeling that self-regulation i'm i'm angry right now i'm gonna go over here and chill out a bit and i'm come back and i have a couple questions for you like really models that sense of of learning to recognize and regulate our emotions before we engage yeah and it's important to understand too with the adhd brain they're time blind yes so time means nothing to them so it's really important that if you say, ah, I am really upset right now and I don't want to make things worse. So I'm going to take a break. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Now, a lot of people use timers. Timers actually don't help with time. It's just all of a sudden a dinger goes off, right? So I always suggest use an analog clock and color in time minutes from the, 10 minutes from the minute hand. Then they can see the passage of time. Yeah. Um, and then they know that that time is coming, which allows them to prepare themselves for the conversation because clearly mom's upset and I don't know how this is going to go. Right. Right. Yeah. And then we go 
both be prepped for what's getting ready to come. And hopefully the kid is like, wow, they really want to understand me rather than yell at me. Yeah. Now, when a family has sort of established maybe patterns that don't look like the situation you described over time, not only is the parent going to struggle to break those habits and change that, those sets of contingencies, the child is going to expect something different. The child may expect mom's going to come back and yell at me. And so how many times or how long does it take for families to develop these new patterns or, or how long does, should they, should they keep trying before they throw this idea out the window? Because if it doesn't work the first time, there's some real valid reasons for that. Right. That's it. That's an excellent question. So we're talking about completely new behavior, mm -hmm. right? And that, that is what I always tell parents is it's practice. Yep. You're not going to get it right. You're just not. And be okay with that. It's okay. But try again. So recently I had a parent um, try this with their daughter who had some situations happen in the hallway in middle school. And I said, you're not going to, you're not going to do it right because you've never done it before. So when you see that you're going back to the lecture or back to the telling them or just say out loud, that's not the direction I want to go. I want to go this way. I want to hear from you. Now the, the, the change is going to happen immediately with the child, but not with the parents. Yeah. The parents <laughs> one that really struggle with staying with the connection because well there's a lot of different reasons why and the thing that I suggest to parents is is listen with the same desperation you want to be heard I'm, I'm writing that one down and and I may add it to all the quotes that I that I love to put on social media listen with the same desperation you want to be heard There's some more perspective taking right there, isn't there? Wow, that's fantastic. Can I go back again to one of the things that you talked about was, was perspective taking and a question that I get all the time is, can we teach perspective taking? To which I, of course, I launch into, yes, of course we can, it's wonderful, it's amazing. Can, can you, you know, settle me down a little bit and sort of give some, breakdown for parents on how do we approach teaching perspective taking? So there's a lot of different ways, but when it comes to like this particular scenario, it's asking the question, not why, but how, who, what, when, where, right? Not the whys, but on them. So, okay, so this just came out of nowhere in your mind that, you know, she did whatever she did in the hallway. How do you think her morning went? What do you think maybe happened last night at home? How do you think, you know, do you, could something have happened in the last class, you know? So it's taking the idea of allowing them to see it's not about them, but maybe there's something going on with another person. Oftentimes ADHD has no idea how they present. They have no idea. They have it in their head that they look a certain way, but actually they're presenting in a not not any not even close to what they think so what I suggest for parents is ask the child by all means ask the child don't do it without the child's permission hey can I video you mm. can, I just, can I just do a real quick video when you're acting like that so that you can see if you look like 
are you interested? Do you want to see? Because the way you represent is not the way you think you are. Are you curious about that? Do you want to see that? If you do not ask their permission first and they find out that you videoed and then you're like, that's what you look like, you are going to have one heck of an escalation on your hands. Yeah. They do not like to be videoed. They do not. And and it's also such a, a breaking of trust. Yes. Yeah. So it's really important that you ask, are you curious because you've said to, to me or to us, you know, um, I don't do that. Why do you think I do that? I'm not talking about, or whatever the case is. And if it's a tonage thing or a verbiage thing, then you can just say, can I record you? Yeah. But if it's a behavioral thing, then you can say, how about I do this? Let me video you. When I see it and you've got that look on your face and you're thinking, I don't have that look on my face. Can I, can I video that real quick? And then we can look at it later, you know, when you're ready and kind of let the kid take the lead on that. Because if, if they really do want to know, they're going to give the permission, but they're going to be very, very nervous about it because yeah. they don't want to be videotaped. Yeah. That, I mean, there's so much research behind video modeling, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. So much research, but the only way video modeling really works is if they see themselves. So, yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Imitation isn't, you can't, you can't check in on whether you're imitating what you've seen without looking at what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another really powerful tool. Um, in the social groups that we have, we always videotape. And then the social group ends with movie and popcorn. And <laughs> the, movie, the movie is how they've been interacting with one another. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, they're always surprised. So I have a lot of parents who want to establish routines for their kids. And oftentimes it has to do with, you know, a morning routine to get us out the door quickly. Um, and many of them are finding that, you know, I, I go up and I remind and I, and I go back downstairs and I go upstairs to their room and I remind them again. And, and so there's this sort of repeated pattern. And I'm thinking now about the time blindness you, you mentioned, and I'm thinking about the verbal instructions and whether or not that's valid. But if this goes on over and over again, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, the struggles that parents have in understanding what is going on, what is going wrong. Can you offer a set of tools for parents to shift what's happening in, into a way that, that their kids are going to be able to learn these new skills or routines and engage with them? Yeah. So. Um... ADHD is timeline. Um, time means nothing to us. We're very in the moment, what's happening right now. But it's not just about time blindness. It's also motivation. So having to do the thing that we don't want to do, teeth brushing, bathing, brushing our hair, changing our clothes, right? There's no motivation in that. Where's the fun? There's, no, there's nothing to motivate us, but we have to still do the thing, right? Yes. So Usually what I do is, is I have the, the parents, like I'm going to use chores um, as an example. So I have the parents take a picture of the clean bathroom or the clean bedroom or bed. No, bedrooms is a completely different podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> bedrooms are um, a, a huge deal with ADHD. So that's a different podcast. <laughs> so have them take a picture of what it looks like done. So this is what it looks like done. 
And then they will put that like outside the bathroom door, or outside the playroom door, or next to the uh, trash can, you know, to take the trash out. What does that look like when it's at the beginning and then at the end? So here's a full picture of a full trash can. Here's the picture of an empty trash can. And in between is where it goes outside, right? And what that does is it visually reminds them how to start and finish. ADHD, they can do the same thing for years and forget how to start it mm. or how to finish it. And ADHD typically struggles with finishing things anyhow. So those are visual prompts to say, this is what you're looking for. Yep. You don't want to keep on those because um, it can become embarrassing for like my teenagers and stuff. It's like, I'm not a baby. I don't need pictures. Cool. That's great. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I want to respect that and the dignity in that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use these for two weeks just so you can get that imprinted. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a, just a checklist. So we're going to move from that to a checklist. And the truth is ADHDers will have checklists for the rest of their life. So they can get comfortable with that. How does that look for you? And, yeah. and it really is about how do I start and how do I finish? Because those are big struggles for executive functioning deficits. And so that, that those images actually are, are that visual cue, not only, you know, here's the moment at which to start, but it actually can prompt the starting is yes. what I'm hearing you say, yeah? Yeah, I usually use a clock. So I use analog clocks a lot in, when it comes to making these kids independent because again, they don't understand time. They're in the moment. And in the analog clock, I have the child, depending on the age, um, color in, starting from the minute hand, color in how long is it gonna take you to get ready? So for adults with ADHD, taking a shower is a big task. Once we're in the shower, we don't ever wanna get out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that transition. So same idea. So what do you need to do to get ready? So to get ready to clean the bathroom, what do you need? What do you need to do? So you color in how much time do you need for that? Okay, five minutes. Cool. Color in five minutes. And then how long is it going to take you to complete the task? And they use a different color on the analog clock and they color in 10 minutes. Okay, cool. Great. So now you have that time because if it's something that they don't want to do, they're not motivated and they'll get distracted. Yeah. But if they have the clock and they can reference the clock. And I've used this with two or uh, three and four year olds. They will reference the clock because yeah. they know that time is passing and they need to stay on task. It's a very effective skill. It's very effective for, um, for the executive functioning deficits. That's fantastic. What if they also know it's not going to last forever? They set the time. Yes. They beat their time. You can be like, woohoo, nice work. You got it done, got it done right. And you beat your time. Way to go, buddy. Let's write that time down. And tomorrow, you want to see if you can do it again? Because now you have more time for cool stuff. Yeah. I, that, I love that. Those strategies will get a kid independent in about a week. No that's, more prompts. Oh, that, that's really a, a lovely tease right there. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, Di, you were mentioning earlier that there are some moments where we're not going to pause, take a time out for ourselves and get curious, that there are some absolutely you know, unac unacceptable behaviors that we need to intervene on quickly. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. So um, it's not uncommon when ADHD gets dysregulated, the impulsivity gets, goes high, and they seem and behave out of control. So um, I've had kids said, 
bathrooms on fire at the school, or I've had kids steal from the store, or I've had kids harm animals, which is a clear indicator of dysregulation because ADHD love animals. So there's something going on, right? But there's just some completely unacceptable behaviors. It, it just cannot be addressed immediately with the curiosity. So what we do in those situations is, uh, so you know that the kids stole mom's you know, expensive earrings or jewelry or whatever and brought it to school to give to friends so that they would be her friend, mm. right? Yeah. Not an uncommon thing, but completely and totally not okay. Yeah. So when you find out, what you do is you say, that was completely unacceptable behavior. So you have what, what I call restitution. Mm -hmm. And restitution is, is you need to make this right. So um, if that means you've dumped a bunch of trash in the neighbor's yard, you need to go to the neighbor, you need to clean it up, and then you need to clean up the neighbor's yard, and you need to apologize. That's a restitution. Majority of the time, what you want to always do is give choice. So with my parents, I often say, get some popsicle sticks and write down on there, you know, those nasty things that they can do as a restitution. So the, the time needs to match the crime, right? Um, so if you're like, I'm so mad, I'm so upset, I can't think of anything. I understand that, I do. Write it down on popsicle sticks, stick it on top of the refrigerator and you can grab a couple and you've got it right there, right? So uh, I had a phone call from a dad and his 13-year-old son was told to video his stepmom yelling at him so that his biological mom can use it in court. And dad, of course, was losing his mind because, I mean, there's so much in that. And I said, okay, so this is unacceptable behavior, right? We cannot allow this to continue and, and stuff. Um, so here's what you can do is give him a choice. Now, don't do this. It was just an example. You can use your toothbrush and clean the baseboards all throughout the house, depending on the size of the house, or you can use your toothbrush and clean the inside the toilet. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's just an example. So the dad got the idea, and what he did was have his son clean out underneath the deck, which mm. I thought was pretty gross because there's spiders and all kinds of stuff. But he did. He did um, clean it out, and then and then sit down and do the curious talk okay so now that because you want to get some of that energy out because the kid knows that they did was was awful they know that they're going to get in trouble so we've given them the choice so you can do this or you can do this and they make the choice if you make the choice for them it's not going to sink in they have to make that choice because then they're responsible they've made that choice for that restitution and and now they're going to own it. If you make the choice for them, they're not going to own it. Yeah. After the restitution, then sit down with them and have the curious conversation. Just so that they, you guys keep that connection. The connection is so important with the parent, right? The child needs to know that you still love them. You're still on their side and you want to understand them. So then you follow it up with the, the curiosity stuff. With ADHD, though, you cannot use the same consequences. You can't, you have to change it up because what they're going to do is find the loophole yep. and they're going to be able to make it look like it was done, right? It becomes this challenge of how do I get out of this, but still trick my parents into thinking I did it. Yeah. So it's kind of being on your game with that, but also um, it has to be addressed. If a child is stealing, you know, like jewelry from mom to make friends at school, that, that you can't do that, right? That's, that's a very serious thing. Now, 
the question I get from parents is, what if they refuse to do it? Oh, cool. All right. So you're not going to be, you're not going to take accountability or responsibility for what you did because ADHD hates to take accountability. Failure is devastating. They don't want to fail and they don't want to be called out. So here's, here's what we can do. I've given you two choices. Either you make a choice and get started on that, or I get to make the choice and you get started on it. Well, I'm not going to do it. Okay, cool. So what I want you to do is, is just sit there until you're ready to do it and ignore the kid, you know, until they're ready. And as soon as they get up, then you can say, right on, you're doing it. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. And they get the attention, right? Because ADHD hates to be ignored. It's adversive. I understand that. And it's not always something I would recommend, but if the kid is being completely defiant and being accountable for the actions that they did, and you're doing the best you can by giving them choices, you're not yelling at them. You're not putting them down. You're just giving them choices so that they understand there's consequences for that, you know, those types of behaviors. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing any of this. Cool. You can sit there until you're ready. And they're going to try and get your attention because they want you to be derailed so they don't have to do it. Don't give them your attention. Let them do whatever they're ready to, you know, make the noises or hit the table or whatever. And then eventually they're going to get up and do it because they're going to realize their tactic isn't working. Yeah. Um, Do you often uh, support parents in the idea of kind of this tag team? So if if I'm the parent who has, I've managed myself as much as I can in presenting two choices, my child has refused, I've asked them to sit, I'm ignoring their behavior, and they are doing everything they can, they're knocking things over, they're, they're making a huge mess, let's say, in, like in the living room, and I am about to lose it, and I know this, and I'm going to go grab my partner, if, if I'm fortunate enough to have one working with me, and I will just be like, your turn, here's, here's the situation, here's what we have to maintain. Yes, so uh, what I ask parents to do is come up with a code word, yeah. So, um, you know, it's not always that the parents are in the same room. Someone's upstairs, someone's downstairs, you know, and there's a code word. One of my parents came up with volcano. I was like, okay, cool, volcano, and yelled volcano because they got their six year old, you know, thrown over their shoulder trying to get them to stop hitting, kicking, and spitting. Volcano. And then they switch them off and say, okay, here's where we're at. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'll be back in 15 minutes. Absolutely. Because, um, the persistence with ADHD to get you derailed so they don't have to be held accountable is can be pretty outstanding and exhausting. Yeah, right. Pretty exhausting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The restitution is pretty successful. Um, usually, what ends up happening is, is they try a different defense as far as let's be a little bit more secretive, a little bit more nip- manipulative and stuff, but you know, they get caught and then the restitution increases. So now you have choices of two more difficult things Mm -hmm. and then eventually they start realizing yeah this isn't working so well right and it takes that can take a while can't it it depends on the child yeah yep yeah great thank you so much that's that's really helpful to get that sense of like you know the hard line these behaviors need need a different approach um yeah so di this has been Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. You've packed so much great information into a, a short amount of time. And I really appreciate you, you being here. And I am hoping we can uh, we can get back to the conversation about uh, ADHD 
and keeping bedrooms the way we need to. We'll, we'll do that for another podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye.